Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, folks, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show on this Friday. I'm really excited about today's show. We're going to be doing a long-form interview with Julie Kelly. Julie Kelly has been exposing all the malfeasance and misfeasance behind the January 6th insurrection and the January 6th bomber story for a long time. We needed some time with her. This is the perfect format to do it, the perfect day to do it. Hope you enjoyed the Patriot Awards last night. It was a good time had by all honoring American patriots. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Privacy. It's a right, not a privilege. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show on this Friday. Joseph, you enjoyed the Patriot Awards last night? Oh, yeah, man. It was uh, it was great. I really did enjoy that. I bet yeah. you're whipped, though, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little, uh, little tired, <laughs> a little, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm good to go. A couple espressos will do the job for me. So here's what we're going to do. I always appreciate your patience. We're going to get to Julie Kelly. We're going to talk to her about Pegasus, the FBI spying program. We're going to talk to her about the informants, the FBI, and January 6th. We're going to get an update on the January 6th bomber case and everything. We're going to read two uh, spots from our great sponsors. We appreciate their time. We'll take one break. We'll read two more in the middle, um, and then we'll close out after the interview with Julie. We appreciate your patience. ExpressVPN, folks, profiling, surveilling, data harvesting. There are a lot of things not to like about tech giants. But what can you do about it when you rely on so many of their products? The good news is you don't need to be a billionaire to take a stand. For less than $7 per month, you can join me and fight back against big tech by using ExpressVPN. I use it. How do you think big tech companies make all their money anyway? Well, by tracking your searches, video history, and everything you click on, then selling your personal data. ExpressVPN helps you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding your IP address. That's why I use ExpressVPN on all my devices to make it much more difficult for them to exploit my data for their own profits. I just tap one button on my phone or my computer to turn it on. That's all it takes to keep people out of my business. You don't like big tech tracking you and selling your personal data? I don't either. It's time to fight back. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino today to get three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Bongino, expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Thanks, ExpressVPN. We appreciate it. Our next sponsor for today, when you receive your Helix mattress, you'll be obsessed with it. It's so quick and fun to unbox. You'll absolutely love it. You won't believe how well you sleep, waking up feeling so rested and refreshed. Helix Sleep is a quick quiz. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. I have one. I had the Midnight Lux. I love it. It's because everybody's unique and Helix knows that. So you have several different mattress models to choose from and the mattresses come right to your door ship for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. Just go to Helix Sleep. It's H-E-L-I-X. HelixSleep.com slash Dan. HelixSleep.com slash Dan. They have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. If you don't love it, They'll pick it up for you. You will love it. I love mine. I sleep like a baby on it. I got the Midnight Lux. It's the mattress of champions. The Helix even has a financing option and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. For a limited time, Helix is offering up to $350 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners to this program. It's your best offer yet. Take advantage of it. Hurry over today to helixsleep.com slash Dan. HelixSleep.com slash Dan. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at HenryUSA.com slash survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, 
It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Now I'd like to welcome into the show, Julie Kelly. All right, welcoming to the show today, uh, a fantastic reporter, uh, someone who hasn't been afraid to tell the story and doesn't need to tell you a story. The liberal media does that. Julie Kelly, author of the great book I highly recommend, January 6th. If you want to get the full story, read that book. Julie, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on, Dan. Of course. I mean, you were one of the people to crack wide open a number of stories about the January 6th bomber, informants in the FBI embedded within the, uh, the, the, the January 6th day and the surroundings and what happened that day. So I want to dig into a couple of those. I want to talk about this Pegasus program, too, and your ideas about the FBI spying. But first, you were one of the first people to read through the court documents, follow this case, and to uncover the fact that the FBI may have had informants embedded in the January 6th crowd. Now, that opens a lot of questions up, Julie. What the hell were they doing? What did they know? How long were they there? Who were these informants? Who were they reporting to? Uh, your general thoughts on this, and how did you get the story so fast while the other media outlets were lagging behind? Well, Dan, I will tell you what was happening really at the same time that January 6th, the whole story was unfolding, was the Whitmer so-called Fed napping case. And what was going on is the same time we were told this insurrection happened and it was just spontaneous incited by Donald Trump. What was happening in Michigan were defense attorneys filing motion after motion, showing how what we were told was this white supremacist militia attempting to kidnap and kill Gretchen Whitmer before the 2020 election. What was gradually unfolding there was an egregious case of FBI entrapment. So I was sort of covering that at the same time I was January 6th. And you could sort of see how these two things were happening at the same time, because of course this all goes back to 2020. And the use of FBI informants, not just informants, but undercover agents working with supervising agents, we're talking dozens of FBI assets who put this entrapment scheme together. Then you sort of tie it to what happened in January 6th. So I think that that's why people like me, Darren Beatty, I know you've addressed some of our work and other people have been digging into this, started to say, wait a second, this doesn't really at all add up. Um, and so I think that that was sort of the first red flags for me and a few others uh, really trying to figure out the role of the FBI, if any, in January 6th. And now, of course, we're finding out that it looks to be pretty extensive. Yeah, I mean, this opens up a lot of questions, obviously. I mean, let's just start with the simple ones. Well, what did they know? I mean, we've been told by the hyperbolic crowd out there that this was the worst insurrection since, you know, Pearl Harbor, worse than 9-11. I mean, the, 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 the excessive nonsense around this thing, which is crazy in an effort to stop Trump. Um, so what did they know? I mean, if it was the worst uh, thing that's happened since 9-11, imagine if we found out the FBI had informants on the plane in 9-11 and nothing happened. I mean, aren't we entitled to know what they were up to? What were they reporting to? Well, absolutely, Dan. And recall that Christopher Ray designated January 6th an act of domestic terror. This is what he said to the U.S. Senate in March of 2021. So to your point, had we found out the truth, 
let's say even back then, that the FBI had run numerous informants into the two militia groups that they say are responsible for January 6th, that's the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. If we would have known that, or the public would have known that, or Christopher Ray would have said under oath, we knew this, we had a lot of informants, we got faulty information. No, what did he say? He said, we didn't have any intelligence. We were completely caught off guard. We right. didn't know that. Well, yes. that's not true. So to your point, where's the outrage? Where is AOC not demanding heads roll because she was almost murdered on January 6th? The fact that there is no outrage over this is another tell, right, Dan? That yeah. they know that the FBI was in on this this is a cover-up job in addition to the inside job. And so, but look, this is, uh, the onion is peeling away layer by layer. You know what I, I really find fascinating about all this? You know, people like you, uh, genuine reporters who dig stuff up and, you're, you know, you don't do it with partisan interest. I'm sure if we came, if we found, listen, Julie, if you found out Donald Trump did plot this thing and had the Proud Boys in his office with a battle plan. That's the greatest story ever. Like, hey, it's a horrible story, but it's, I mean, from a reporting perspective, you'd be like, oh my gosh, we cracked the case. You know, the fact that these lefties who went nuts over COINTELPRO and the FBI was in the Black Panthers and they lost their minds over this story for decades. And now we've got the New York Times finally, a year after you, by the way, a story you guys already cracked, saying, hey, you had some federal informants in there you would think even the left-wing media lunatics would be like, okay, this is a little too much. We got to talk about this. Well, that is the other irony. This is the same media, the same Democratic Party, right, who didn't trust the FBI for decades that claimed that they were setting up Muslims to create terrorism hoax that the FBI could then tear down, right, or infiltrate. So now you really have to kind of look back at some of those and really question what the FBI did to create the post 9-11 narrative. Those same groups are complete. They're not only silent, they're cheering the idea that the national intelligence state, our highest law enforcement agencies and officers are using the same war on terror tools now against Trump supporters. And so that's why the New York Times article was interesting. And I'm gonna tell you some other good news, Dan, that a lot of people haven't covered yet that I wanna tell you. The Press Coalition on Tuesday filed a motion in court. This is 16 major news organizations, the Wall Street Journal, ABC News, NBC News, CNN. They want the 500 plus redacted pages that outlines all of the informants and the informant activity into the Proud Boys before January 6th. They also want a transcript of the sealed hearing this past Monday, where the judge heard about the defense, this last minute trove of discovery uh, evidence that it laid on the defense. So even the press now, after almost two years, to your point, is starting to ask some questions and feel like the narrative that they have helped promote might not exactly be the truth. Now, we know they don't really care about the truth. They want to protect the regime. But if they really feel like they've been duped this time, you know, maybe they'll start to get some answers. Yeah, I hope so. Now, I, I follow you on uh, on on Twitter and Truth, and you should all too, folks. Uh, what's your handle, just so the audience has it, because they need to follow you. Uh, on Twitter, it's Julie underscore Kelly too, and then Truth Social, I think, is Julie underscore Kelly. All right, please follow her, folks. I follow her. Just go to my follow list. Uh, she's amazing. And one of the things you've explained, I think, accurately, is this likely explains the overcharging. 
you know, grandma walks through an open door. She gets charged with conspiracy to overthrow the United States, which which at best. And I mean, being prosecutorially generous is a misdemeanor trespass charge at best, at best. Right. So the overcharging makes sense now, because if you had a bunch of informants in there may have known this and you were delinquent in reporting it or derelict in reporting it or there was nothing to report, meaning it was spontaneous, you know, nonsense by some people who did some stupid stuff rather than this bland insurrection you want out there, you'd want those informants to shut the hell up. You definitely don't want a case to go to trial. So if you overcharge them with a conspiracy to overthrow the United States, and you can just go to their lawyer and go, yeah, yeah, we'll plead this thing down if you guys just take a plea and shut your pie holes. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, that's what's been happening in a lot of these cases, but certainly the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys who have been charged with the exceedingly rare count of seditious conspiracy. I mean, they could spend the rest of their lives in jail if they are convicted. We have the Oath Keepers trial that's going on right now in Washington, D.C. It's on its sixth week. The Proud Boys trial is supposed to start next month. This is when they got the last minute discovery dump, right? The 500 plus redacted pages related to FBI informants. But Dan, the reason why this is so important to keep in mind, as you know, these are the two militia groups that the January 6th committee has fixated on. They are trying to tie these two alleged militia groups to Donald Trump to justify criminal charges against him. So this is why it's even more imperative to find out the FBI's role. Now, if Donald Trump is indicted, which I believe he will be, for obstruction or conspiring with these groups, well, then the government's going to have to cough up a lot more discovery on the FBI's role. I don't know. I I know you saw the clip with um, Representative Higgins of Louisiana this week confronting Christopher Wray. We could talk about that, too. Um, But, you know, he's very uncomfortable. And Christopher Wray is very accustomed to not having to answer questions. Um, And so he was he was not happy that he was confronted with with those questions yesterday. Yeah, you're, we played that clip on Wednesday's podcast, I think. I, I Was it Wednesday, Guy? The, the Higgins, yeah, it was Wednesday. Uh, your, your thoughts on that, because you, Ray, yes, he is uncomfortable, but he does this odd thing. Clay Higgins, a pretty solid representative, congressional representative at a hearing, he asks, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, Christopher Ray, a very simple question. Were there any FBI employees involved in and around the planning of you know January 6th or out there at the Capitol? And Ray doesn't want to answer the question. But it's weird, Julie. He does this thing where then he goes, okay, if you don't want to answer the question, then don't answer it. Then he goes on to answer it in this like pseudo passionate defense of the FBI where he's like, any suggestion that we may have planned this thing or otherwise, like I'm going to pound my chest here just to let you know I'm really offended by what you just said. Well, what's to be offended about? If there was nobody there, there's nobody there, right? It was almost like thou health not protest too loudly. Well, it was pretty telling, I think, because Representative Higgins' question was very specific, which sort of makes me think that he's actually seen some of the surveillance video, which, of course, Dan, the American people can't see thousands of hours captured by security cameras inside and outside the Capitol that day. I have to believe that Representative Higgins has seen video that shows people, very likely FBI assets, inside the building dressed as Trump supporters before 
the breach of the Capitol. That was a really interesting part of the question. And I think that's why Christopher Ray got so indignant because it kind of signaled to Christopher Ray, hey, these Republicans have seen a lot more than maybe you think that they have. Or, of course, they've tried to keep all this video under court order protective orders, which they do have. So I think that really flustered Ray. The best part of that exchange, Dan, is the guy who cut off Representative Higgins and would not force Christopher Ray to answer the question, who is Benny oh. Thompson, <laughs> the head of yeah. the January 6th yeah. committee, who's also head of Homeland Security. Now, think about that, Dan. If he really was a truth, you know, fact finding, this is a truth mission. Wouldn't Benny Thompson be really ticked off and say, wait a second, we've got all this reporting now of FBI informants. You never told the committee about this. Now we have a representative asking you a direct question about that day and you won't answer. No, what does Benny Thompson do? He rescues Ray, cuts off the questioning, moves on to somebody else. That's such a good point. Benny Thompson being the chair, as you just said, accurately so of the January 6th committee. It's such a good point. Um, uh, With regard to the January 6th committee, now that the Republicans have taken back the House, um, your general feel of it, you talk to a lot of people in this talking head space, as many as I do. Uh, you think that's the end of this thing? And you think we'll finally get some answers on the other component of this, what we're talking about today? What was the FBI's involvement and in other things about January 6th, which we'll get to later in the interview? I really think that we're going to have to. Um, I'm in D.C. right now, and um, I was at a, at a conference this morning with some Republican House members, and they sound and seem very serious about looking into DOJ and exposing, investigating DOJ and FBI corruption. My sense, Dan, is that they've heard they heard a lot of this on the campaign trail. You even had a Democrat congresswoman yesterday tell Christopher Ray, I just got off the campaign trail and I'm going to tell you, the American people do not trust the FBI. What do you have to say about that? Of course, he goes into his tap dance, 36,000 employees. They're so great, dedicated men and women, blah, blah, blah. That's not an answer. So when you even have Democrats who recognize or some that this is a problem and you have most of the Republicans in the House knowing that this is a problem because now this bureau is coming for them, Dan, right? It was okay when they were going after Carter Page, as Trey Gowdy called him a clown. You know, that was okay because they the FBI was not using their powers to go after them. Well, now we see the FBI confronting someone like Scott Perry on vacation with his family, taking his cell phone right right out of his hands. So this is a whole different level. Hopefully Republicans recognize if they don't do something now, this FBI is going to take down all of them. Don't worry about Donald Trump. They're going to go after you, your staffers, your family, and your donors and everyone you know. I think that Representative Scott Perry case was a real wake-up call, Julie. You know, um, after the, uh, for me, the wake, well, you know, I didn't need to be woken up. I was never sleeping, neither were you. But I think the most troublesome moment for me where this started was the Devin Nunes incident where they went and grabbed his phone records, which happened way before Perry. But it's interesting because, you know, Devin Nunes was involved heavily in uncovering Spygate with Cash Patel. I think some of the establishment swampy types in D.C. were like, ah, it's just Nunes, whatever. And then all of a sudden it happened to Scott Perry, who maybe didn't have, you know, the Nunes Trump alignment thing with him. I mean, he's a Trump guy, but you get the point. And all of a sudden everybody started to freak out. So you're right. I mean, once it kicks them in the nads, then all of a sudden I think we're going to start to see change. Um, 
I wanted to get to a couple other things about January 6th here as well. We're talking to Julie Kelly, obviously author of a terrific book. Highly, highly recommend on my top 10 list. It's called January 6th. Do yourself a favor. Pick it up. I promise you have not heard the real story until you've read that book. Can't forget the title. January 6th, wherever you get your books. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate mega stores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. Julie, the bomber case. I'm using the air quotes because I don't, I'm not even sure anymore there's a bomber. I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, I'm not even sure there was a January 6th bomber anymore. This case is so crazy. So you and Darren Beatty have just blown the doors off this story. This is what puzzles me the most about this. And you would think if you had an informant in this network of insurrectionists, crazies who are going to take down the United States of America, that they would probably know about a guy or a woman who put bombs in front of the DNC or RNC the day before January 6th. But the bomber case, we've heard nothing about it. It's gone into the phantom zone. And yet the informants, nobody's probing them, I guess, either. So weird. So weird. And not only is it weird that, you know, we haven't heard really anything about it or informants didn't tip off law enforcement. It was completely memory hold by this January 6th committee. There was no hearing about uh, the pipe bomber, the, the investigation. And here's another wrinkle why it's so odd that they didn't. We found out a year after January 6th, almost a year later, that Kamala Harris was in the DNC headquarters when this alleged explosive device was found. You had a sitting U.S. senator, incoming vice president, at a building where a pipe bomb was found right outside. And Everyone's just forgotten about it. And you and I have talked about this, Dan. The government lied about Kamala Harris's whereabouts for almost a year until finally a prosecutor had to admit in court that, oh, I know we've said in thousands of uh, indictments and information, uh, criminal information documents, that Kamala Harris was in the Capitol building, therefore it was restricted. Um, that's not, why, why have we not found out then? If this bomb was viable, as the FBI said right away, then where is that? Um, where is that information? Where is that investigation? It's been completely memory hold too. And Darren Beatty has done tremendous work, even going through the video, um, frame by frame, and how the FBI looks like slowed that down and then cut out certain pieces of that video as well. Yeah, it's bizarre. One of them, the frame rate doesn't match the frame rate of any commercially available camera around. Now, I've had a couple of people say to me, well, you know, Dan, they go to lower frame rates when they're not recording active motion. Uh, OK, well, that still doesn't explain why there's missing camera footage from the camera at the DNC, which would have caught the money shot of the alleged bomber walking by. I mean, nothing about this case, case makes any sense. What, what's your... I, well, I don't want to put you on the spot and, ask, and pin you down with one theory here, but I have a number of different theories about the January 6th bomber and who put these bombs in front of the DNC and RNC, um, likely versus unlikely. Do you have a few you'd be willing to throw out there? I, I, because I, I have a number of them. I mean, the case doesn't make sense. And I mean, they can clear up the speculation by helping us out, but they refuse to do it. 
Um, honestly, Dan, I'm of the view that they never really were even there, um, that the photographs that we saw were manufactured. Recall the woman who allegedly found the first bomb near the RNC. So the RNC and DNC are close together. They're east of the U.S. Capitol. She just happened to be walking in the cold that afternoon, 15 minutes before the joint session is supposed to convene. And she just looks down and happens to see a kitchen timer and a little piece of pipe and some wires. And she freaks out and thinks that it's, you know, a pipe bomb. And she goes to alert the security guy at the RNC and then they notify Capitol Police and this whole thing sort of erupts. Turns out the woman who identified the pipe bomb is a federal contractor who works for an agency called FirstNet, who, hmm, the month before January 6th, got a $92 million grant from who? The FBI. No one has heard from her since. She was not investigated or interrogated by the January 6th committee. You know, we heard all this ridiculous testimony from people like Cassidy Hutchinson, but we didn't hear about the woman who find, found the, pop, the pipe bombs and really prompted the first set of evacuations. So there's no evidence that she, she could have been, and she didn't interview Dan, and she actually said the word hoax a couple of times, which I thought was kind of strange. Then we find out, as you and I have talked, the DNC, they brought Kamala Harris there at 1130 in the morning on January 6th, and a security sweep doesn't see this right by the bench outside of the entryway. Yeah. What was interesting, a few weeks ago, a person just posted this video that showed um, Kamala Harris's detail pulling up in front of the DNC. There were several vehicles and people getting in and out when she walked into the building. The bomb was allegedly planted the night before. No one saw it. None of this adds up. Yeah, I've seen that video of the motorcade. Uh, you know, Julie, again, in normal times, I think you and I both would say, oh, this all sounds crazy, but we're, we're not in normal times. It's really impossible to believe anything they say. I'm going to take a quick break here. I want to come back and ask a follow-up question on this. Folks, we got a break for a couple of sponsors. I really appreciate your patience. Read them. We'll be right back with Julie Kelly. Stay tuned. Folks, thanks for your patience. We got great sponsors that like to talk to you. We appreciate their time. Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L. Holidays are the most exciting time of the year. You want to enjoy them to the fullest? You better get a good night's sleep. Do it with Bowl and Branch. With Bowl and Branch, it's easier than it sounds. They are the softest, most luxurious organic cotton sheets, Bowl and Branch. Their sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. I love them. They get better with time. They make a difference you can truly feel night after night. You're never going to want to sleep on anything different. When you're ready to hop into a soft, cozy bed, your sheets make all the difference. Look, I'm never a big sheet guy, but I can tell you they made a huge difference in my sleep quality. In fact, I'm so spoiled with these sheets, I don't want to sleep anywhere else. I hate hotels. Night on hotel sheets make you want to jump back in your own bed that much quicker. Bowl and, branch, bowl and branch products are made different. You can sleep better at night. Made from the finest 100% organic cotton on earth. Free from toxins, pesticides, and harsh chemicals at every step of its making. Made by artisans who earn the pay and respect they deserve. This Black Friday, give the gift of a better night's sleep for yourself and others with Bowl and Branch. Get 25% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code BONGINO at bowlandbranch.com. That's B-O-L-L, bowlandbranch.com. Use promo code Bongino, my last name, B-O-N-G-I-N-O. Offer ends November 27th. Thanks, Bowl and Branch. Today's show also brought to you by All Form. 
you've been listening to my show for a while, you know, I've been talking about Helix mattresses. I love them. I have one myself. Now they've gone beyond the bedroom. Helix making sofas too. We have an all form sofa in Isabel's room, my daughter, and she loves it. All form has premium customizable sofas and chairs shipped right to your door. All form customizes a sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost. And right here in the U S you can pick your fabric color, sofa size and shape to fit perfectly in your room, in your house. The fabric is spill stain and scratch resistant. They've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight seat sectional. You're going to love it. So there's something for everyone. You can always start small, buy more seats later, which is great. So we can grow and change with you when you move. All form sofas are delivered directly to your home within a couple of weeks and with free shipping. In the past, it could take months for your sofa to arrive, and then you need someone to come and assemble it, not with all form. Simple and quick assembly with no tools needed. Paula put ours together. And if getting a sofa without trying it in the store sounds risky to you, don't sweat it. you got 100 days to decide if you want to keep your all form. That's more than three months. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up for you for free and give you a full refund. It is genuinely that simple. They have a forever warranty, literally forever. To find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash Dan. That's allform.com slash Dan. Allform is offering 20% off all orders at the, uh, for our listeners at allform, A-L-L-F-O-R-M.com slash Dan. That's allform.com slash Dan. Thanks, Allform. Now back, my interview with Julie Kelly. All right, we're back with Julie Kelly. Julie, uh, before the break, you had mentioned that the possibility that maybe there wasn't a January 5th slash 6th bomber at the DNC and RNC at all. And playing devil's advocate, uh, you know, you're you're a good reporter. You can take it. Some people say, well, the FBI says they detonated the device. So clearly they had something. I mean, what, what do you, I get, believe me, I get it. I'm with you, but I'm just throwing it out there. Um, it sharpens the, the sword, you know? Well, what do you say to that? I say, where's the report on it? I mean, they said that it was a viable device. They said that they detonated it and that they were going to be issuing some sort of investigative report. I now compare the pipe bomb to the DNC email server. Remember, we were told that the FBI had that mm. too. So my joke is, well, maybe CrowdStrike came and maybe they <laughs> took the pipe bomb. Right, right. And maybe they're <laughs> conducting the investigation. We have no yeah. report. And of course, who was leading the investigation into the pipe bombs? Who is the man that stepped forward a few days later, offered a reward, said that they were viable, that this could have caused death and destruction? Stephen D'Antuano, the man who is now head of the FBI Washington uh, field office in D.C., who also, as you know, and Darren the Whitmer is guy, one, right. also exposed that, was uh, overseeing the Whitmer Fed napping hoax uh, uh, into October of 2020 before he was promoted and moved to D.C. Yeah, that 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 is uh, beyond irony. And uh, that's one of those stories when you make the connection, it's, you can't you can't unsee it. Uh, the January 6th committee also has shown Zero interest in these FBI informants embedded supposedly within the Proud Boys and in this January 6th bomber case, which, as you and I discussed before, we got a little more time here on the podcast. That seems odd as well. Uh, I mean, if, if you're trying to paint a narrative that Donald Trump was involved in this massive insurrection overthrow of the government, then what better way to kind of calcify that and harden that narrative than showing that bombs were planted at these two political headquarters by Trump-like operatives? And the fact that they won't even mention it in the committee says to me that it works against their narrative, not for it. Well, two things on that. The Washington Post did a really deep dive into January 6th. And what they exposed, and maybe they thought that it was newsworthy, but when we're paying attention to it, it kind of jumped out at me, is that a few 
weeks before January 6th, uh, the Department of Homeland Security for Washington, D.C. did sort of like a tabletop exercise where they found bombs on January 6th. It just so happened, Dan, that the same department's bomb squad was a block or two away from the DNC and RNC when these devices were allegedly found. So were they tabletop exercise gaming out exactly if they did find an explosive device? Or is that a cover for the fact that the D.C., of course, we know the D.C. government was involved in this too, D.C. Metro Police, D.C. Department of Homeland Security. Were they gaming out how to pretend that they found explosive devices and how that would set off panic and alarm right before the joint session started? It's not like they found these devices at 8 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock in the morning. They found them at 12.50 or 12.48, 10 to 12 minutes before the joint session started at 1 o'clock. Um, so that's just one other um, ad, you know, added wrinkle to this entire story, aside from the Stephen D'Antuano link and how it's just been, to your point, completely uh, memory hold. And why Benny Thompson didn't ask Christopher Ray about that this week. He had him right there. Why didn't he say what's the update into the uh, pipe bomb investigation? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's really sad that this agency, that you know, they have badges, they have guns, they can take your life, they can take your freedom, that we really can't trust them anymore. And like I said, there was a time where, you know, the ACLU type groups and others linked shields with conservatives interested in limited government and at least believed in the idea that, hey, we have to police the police and do this other stuff. That's seemingly gone now. I mean, the right generally supports and, and thankfully good policing, constitutional policing. And now the left is like, we'll only support police if uh, if they act like kind of a, a, a you know, a force for our uh, political and like bouncers for us. I mean, this is just embarrassing. And, and, and I, the January 6th committee is just a further indicator of that. It is. And Rasmussen had a very interesting poll out um quite a few months ago, where, the, of course, the overwhelming majority of Republicans feel that, and this was the specific wording, uh, the FBI acting as a Gestapo for the Democratic Party, an overwhelming majority of Republicans. But the majority of independents feel that way as well, and about 25% of Democrats. Now, of course, they're bragging about it, right? They think it's great now that they can rely on the FBI to go and destroy the lives of their, their political opponents. Um, that's cool now, I, I, apparently, for progressives. Um, but, you know, this FBI uh, informant issue, where are the AOCs of the world who are screaming at Christopher Ray as she claimed that she was almost murdered on January 6th? Where is the outrage from the Democrats who really thought this was a legitimate threat? Um, where is Kamala Harris not saying, hey, where's the pipe bomber? I was right inside that building. I could have been blown to, to pieces and now nobody cares. Um, and so that's why I think the work of Darren Beatty at Revolver.News and keep hammering on this pipe bomb issue because that really was the start of this whole, um, you know, that really, that really started the panic that day. And so that's just one more thing that uh, that everyone needs to, to keep their eye on. And I appreciate you for continuing to cover it as well. Yeah, you, you know, I, I will. I mean, I, I am uh, I, I think having seen the other side of it and how easily that power you've been giving, how have been given, how amazing it is, can be abused. I'm particularly sensitive to this topic, especially at the federal level. It really bothers the shit out of me. You get the point. 
Um, I, you know, the Spygate was my was my thing. I wrote three books on it, and then the impeachment hoax, and then I started reading your work and Darren's work, and I really I'm I'm just stunned. That I don't want to you know we've already covered this question, but I'm I'm really just shocked that we don't have a number of entrepreneurial Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald types inside the Washington Post who are willing to take a flyer and say, you know what, boss, listen, we got to put our politics aside. It's a huge story. I mean, if this, if this bomb pipe bomb story turns out to be either some kind of false alarm that went awry, a plant by someone or, uh, or some kind of like false flag operation, holy Moses, it's only the biggest political story of our time. Um, I wanted to uh, get your take on another topic. So there's this no-click spyware program called Pegasus. It's not hard to figure out. They send you a text. Whether you open it or not is irrelevant. They've got your phone. So if I got your cell phone number, I send Julie the Pegasus NSO spyware. I got your camera, your email. I got everything. Now, the FBI's misled us about this. Two, in FBI episode of Malfeasance number 6,722, they had said earlier that, oh, they just had it for research purposes, Pegasus, and no intentions of using it. Thank God for FOIA, Julie. Freedom of Information Act, the New York Times, in a random act of journalism, figured out that that's not exactly accurate, that they were, in fact, looking at using this in criminal investigations, meaning on people like, you know, us, American citizens. That's where they conduct criminal investigations. I bet this story doesn't surprise you one bit. Um, it doesn't. And I think that they've been looking into this for a while. And I believe that this is the same spyware that Christopher Ray said a few years ago that they weren't investing in. I think there's a couple uh, different ones. Um, but yes, if anyone who thinks that these surveillance tools, whether it's that or FISA or geofence warrants that we know were used on January 6th or anything else are not being turned against Americans on the right, this is just another example of how. But Dan, and you know this as an expert on Spygate, the fact that no one has ever been held criminally responsible for that fraud. Mm. You talk about conspiracy against the American people. That was such a wide ranging conspiracy. The fact that no one has been held criminally responsible, not a single reporter at the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, any of the outlets, outlets who promoted this for years, not a single reporter has been fired or even for fired for writing these stories or fired for, say, taking classified information like a FISA warrant against Carter Page and recording that in the Washington Post in April um, of 2017. This yeah. is the end result, right? So yeah. did the government think they could get away with January 6th? Well, they've gotten away with everything else. So this unfortunately just motivated them and accelerated what they started in 2016. Yeah, it's true. I mean, some of the people who were involved in Spygate, uh, instead of being fully discredited and, and, and really left out of polite political life from that point on, were featured as heroes in the impeachment trial. I mean, Fiona Hill, Fiona Hill was knee deep in this whole thing. And I get it. I mean, we could say, well, you know, Trump made bad personnel decisions, should have got rid of Fiona Hill. Fine. That's an argument for another day. Doesn't absolve her uh, from being knee deep in this whole thing and then being celebrated by the left as, as some kind of a, a, a hero. Um, you're, I'm one final thought uh, before we let you go. We're talking to Julie Kelly again, author of a great book, January 6th. Please pick it up. It is it is absolutely worth your time. It'll change the way you look at that uh, that day. Does it concern you as much as it concerns me? This new symbiotic organism, big media, big business, big tech, and liberal activists 
I mean, we've seen it already, Julie. Twitter working in conjunction with activists who get money from Soros-like groups like Arabella and Accountable Tech, who then censor conservatives, um, who, you know, who then go out there and, and pressure law enforcement and the Department of Justice. You know, and big business seems to love all this. Um, it, it, it's a really dangerous symbiosis going forward that concerns the hell out of me because they've already shown, in fact, that they can interfere in elections and do it quite well. They do. And you're absolutely right. And I think Americans are, and especially our sites, very frustrated. Here's a little more glimmer of hope. You know, I'm just trying to be an optimist here. This lawsuit that Eric Schmidt, the attorney general of Missouri and the attorney general of Louisiana have filed against the Biden administration is making big progress in court. And this is a lawsuit seeking to expose and now depose top government officials, including Anthony Fauci, um, and forcing them to to testify or give their deposition about the symbiotic relationship between the regime and big tech. Government, DOJ, the same DOJ, you know, hunting down the Indiana grandmas and charging them with trespassing them and throwing them in jail for 30, 45 days. They have asked the court repeatedly, not just to halt these depositions, but now, Dan, the latest motion by DOJ is to keep any videotaped deposition under seal. So the American people can't see Anthony Fauci answer questions about his collusion with big tech. We won't be able to see Jen Psaki or the uh, Surgeon General Murphy talk about what communications they had with big tech. My guess is the judge who has really been, really been heroic in uh, objecting and denying all these motions from the government, from the Biden regime. My guess is that he will not allow these depositions to be held under seal. And we are finally going to see these people questioned by skilled attorneys in a videotaped deposition. And that, I think, will really start to to open this up and hopefully give Republicans in the House also more uh, more fodder, more evidence that they need as if they are planning any hearings along the same lines. I'm smiling because we didn't coordinate this at all, Julie and I. We had some tech issue at the beginning of the show, so we had to jump right in. We usually get to chat a little bit. But Eric Smith's going to be on my Fox show Saturday night at night about exactly this. That's what This is a monster case. Like you said, finally, skilled, talented attorneys who know what the hell they're doing, who uncovered this unquestionably anti-First Amendment violation here. Um, we're going to be asking these people about this symbiote. And they're going to be forced under oath. It's a huge deal. So um, that that's good. That uh, leaves it on a positive note for the audience. One final plug for your book, because it's amazing. And I love her work. She's a great person, folks. She's got really nerves. And, and she's got nerves like uh, steel cables here. January 6th is the book. Julie Kelly's the author. Wherever you get your books, pick it up. Follow her on social media. You will not regret it. Julie, thank you so much for your time and for your work. We appreciate it. Such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for covering my work. You got it. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Uh, Julie Kelly, follower on social media. You will get the latest updates on all of the court proceedings around January 6th, and you'll get breaking news. And don't worry, you'll hear it from Julie Kelly. And then a year later, the New York Times will publish a story about it. So you'll be way ahead of the curve. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Check out my show tomorrow night. Friday, uh, excuse me, Saturday uh, at nine o'clock on Fox Unfiltered. I've got Eric Schmidt coming on as a guest. 
And I uh, got Kaylee McEnany as well. We'll ask the question, is Joe Biden the luckiest man alive? I think he is. We'll see you all next week. Good day, sir. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show.